few Sundays ago, or whenever it was, not a few Sundays ago, but a little ways back, I, we had a lady in the program at Teen Challenge, and she always wrote me notes, and I never found them until the most inopportune times. I got up to share, and I opened my Bible, and out fell a note, and it said, Loser. <laughs> <laughs> You have to work out from under all that just to get here. <laughs> I'm always honored to be here. Um, one of the ladies said to me right before I come up, she said, there's a lot riding on this, don't blow it. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, enough pressure as it is without somebody... I should call her name. Brandy, I won't do that. Well, there's a whole lot of pent-up praise in this place. Stand up with me, would you? I think we need to let a little bit of it out. Anything. I think we should let some of this praise out. Knock yourself out, Pastor. Let's give him praise this morning. He's worthy of our praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Blessed be your name this morning. Blessed be your name. He's worthy. That's what we're here for is to lift him up this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Before you sit down, please turn to somebody. And repeat after me. Look at them in the face and say, Bless the Lord, Bless the Lord. O, my o my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, Lord. O oh, my, oh, my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Of benefits. He's forgiven all of my iniquities. He has in his healing all my diseases. He's redeemed my life from the pit. He's crowning it with loving kindness and tender mercies. He's removed my shackles. He set me free. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor. That doesn't mean I'm going to let you out later. 
I'm going to try to stay on target. I even had a call from Luby's the last time I shared. It's like, <laughs> really? You know, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and my message this morning, my word that God's put in my heart is really not a, a hooping, hollering type thing. That's why I want you to get all that out early. <laughs> but the word says as he rode into Jerusalem, people began to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, waving the deal. Of course, the Pharisees, there's always Pharisees around. I mean, the Pharisees were saying, Jesus, why don't you quieten this group down? They think you're God or something. I'm thinking, wow. He said, if they don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. That's because he made those two. But the word said, what he, as he got closer to Jerusalem, he got sad because the people didn't realize he was God. And I thought, Lord, help us not to miss you. We often think to ourselves, if he'd ride into our midst, that we would recognize him immediately. I would hope that's true. They didn't. When I delve into this word this morning, it really is a, a mixture of things, but especially I wanted to talk about discipleship a little bit. Jesus said in Luke, the ninth chapter, he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. A simple word. But when I think of this season, when we talk about worship, you have to think about sacrifice. It was a triumphant ride into Jerusalem, but it also was a painful, sobering thing to Jesus as he rode in because there it would begin the process of, of the Savior dying for the sins of the world. There was a weight to that ride. It wasn't just any ordinary Person, This wasn't just Joseph on the back of that donkey colt. This just wasn't the carpenter. This was the creator of the universe. The further he rode, the more violent the crowd became. They even slapped the face and smote the face of the one who created them. They didn't know he was God. But I believe there is a call. When I, when I think about times like this, I, I rejoice in my spirit. But it's like worship. When you think about worship, how can you think about that without thinking about sacrifice? It is the first place the sacrifice is mentioned is that it's connected with worship. We sing it often. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. How many of you ever come, you just didn't feel it, but you brought it anyway? That's because He's worthy. 
you praise on past the struggle because the fact is he's worthy. So when you think about worship, you have to think about sacrifice. When you talk about discipleship, you have to think of suffering. If any man chooses to follow me, let him first deny himself and then take up that cross. We'll talk about that cross in a minute. Discipleship. You know, the funny thing I've learned in, in, in 43 years, it's a, one of two or three things I've learned in 43 years of being at Teen Challenge, and that's this. You can do programs and you can even do church, but you can't do God. He undoes you. The more connected with him, he just unravels you. It's like Isaiah, I'm undone, I'm undone. He brings you to ground zero again. So when you talk about discipleship, I have to talk about suffering. And that's a little bit of what I want to talk about this morning. And when you talk about glory, you have to talk about government. Isn't that true? We want the glory. We want to bask in the glory. But boy, that government's something else. And the government for his people rests on his shoulders, right? And when you talk about law, you have to talk about grace. We want the worship and the praise, but not the sacrifice. Yet the first place worship is mentioned is linked with sacrifice. Abraham said to his son, let's go worship. You know that story. And Abraham said to his son, let's go worship. And gave, God gave him a promise that out of that promise would come the seed of the Savior. And yet all of a sudden, when Abraham gets to the place and builds the altar... You know that story. The boy was saying, where's the sacrifice? And he grabs him and lays him on the altar, binds him up. Is that God would require the promised son to be offered up to him. It had to be something more than just something he brought. It had to be something of himself, personal. This son come out of his own loins, and it was the promise, son. And now God says, I want you to sacrifice the promise back to me again. Required something personal. He said, if any man would follow me, let him first deny himself, then take up his cross, his what that means in the Hebrew is the execution stake. You take up your own execution stake, then follow me. Paul not only wanted to know the Lord in the power of his resurrection, he said, oh, that I might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. It's always connected in there. The fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death, Paul said. We want to follow, but not suffer. How many is up for suffering? It's not something you really want to open an account for. We want to follow, but not suffer. We want to bask in the glory, but without the government. And certainly not the correction I've learned this through being at Teen Challenge and in my own life as well. If you want to know where somebody's at in their walk, touch their flesh. 
All you have to do is correct it, and it will rear up at you like something else. That's because our flesh likes to be worshipped, not corrected. Hard to deal with those places, but it's the balance. We want the government, but not the correction, or the glory, but not the correction. We love to be worshipped in our flesh, but don't correct us. We want the grace, but not the law. You say, we're not under the law. I remember a wise man saying to me, then what part of it are you free to break? We want the grace without law. The law without grace is rigid and religious and legalistic. Grace without law is sloppy. It's the balance. The Word says He lavished His grace upon us, but He regulates it with wisdom and insight. God structures the grace to our life, and He regulates it with wisdom and insight. I believe this morning that I'm here for a reason. And I know this is a little strange, but I'm going to go ahead and lay it out to you anyway because I told the Lord I would. I think I'm speaking to three groups of people this morning. One, it is to those whom God is calling out from your bondage. Your Egypt, whatever that is. He has called you. Numbers of times. To leave that place, but you feel stuck. He's called us to leave our sin and follow Him. This is a challenge to this fellowship. It's not the positioning, but the preparation of our heart. It is for such a time as this that we've been placed. It is for this particular season that God has called us to. And if you sat and you stayed in that place locked into your sin, this morning God's calling you out of that place of bondage to follow Him. Whatever that bondage is, whether it's addiction or lust or immorality, He is calling you to Himself and calling you out for such a season and a time as this. You know that even our bondage can become a false sense of security. You ever break your leg? You ever think about that? My, my daughter, I hope, I, hope that, I hope that person's not here, but when my daughter was going to school here, they had an art class, and my daughter created a, a cast. In, they were working with Plaster Paris, and she created a cast on a girl's arm. I got a call from the school. We need your help. I had to come pick my daughter up and the girl that had the cast and take them to the doctor and get the cast cut off. It was very well created. <laughs> Her dad thought it was humorous. I didn't know if he was going to laugh or lynch me. I got to the doctor and he looked at me and he said, you know, really, Larry, she did a good job. <laughs> Full arm cast, I'm telling you. Even our cast, sometimes when we break our leg, we say to ourselves, the doctor says, okay, it's six weeks, we can take the cast off. It's like we're saying, no, don't take the cast off. It's a part of me. Sometimes our bondage can, can become a part of us to the place that it becomes a false sense of security. To give it up is costly sometimes. 
If you're here and you're in that place, God's calling you out, and it is for such a season as this. The second group of people is those who have come out of your bondage and your Egypt, but have fallen asleep in the lap of religion. And the enemy has weakened you. You've lost your edge. You've, you've come to a place to expect nothing. You said to yourself, it is what it is. Your strong opinions have isolated you and you've become judgmental. God is calling you out of that place this morning. I told you this wasn't a jumping message. In essence, he's calling us all out of the place we're locked in. I run into somebody at the restaurant. In fact, it was Rick Fetter that come back from, uh, I know I'm not going to say this right, Paraguay. He was revved up like crazy. And I loved it. My wife and I listened to him. His expectancy, his hunger, his passion to bring that back was off of the chain. I thought, Lord, don't let us lose that edge. Don't let us lose that expectancy. Don't let us lose that, that hunger for your word and for your power to still come in and set the captive free and to bind up the brokenhearted and to heal those who are deeply bruised. If you're that person that you're saying you've relaxed to the place, you've lost your edge, and you're saying to yourself, it is what it is. God's here for you this morning, and He's calling you out of that place for a season like this. Then there's those, this third group, that you come out of your bondage and are full of excitement and expectancy and anticipation and life. You're waiting for direction from the Master, but you don't know what to do at this moment. And God is saying this is a preparatory time in this fellowship that God is calling us to be free from where we've been locked in. If you don't know how to get out, He'll come get you out. You just have to cry out and God's saying, I'm here for you this morning. And I've come to set you free. I believe there's a call for discipleship. A little strange message, I suppose. Maybe you've learned to do church. Maybe you've learned to do a program. But it hasn't changed God and who, he, who He's calling you out to be. He is calling us into a time and a season such as this. You know what a season is? It's a limited period of time to accomplish the Lord's specific purpose. Again, He works in and through everything for your good, but His purpose, His design. The terms of discipleship look like this. First, self-denial, denying Himself. Here's the way I put it in my Oklahoma language. It's absolute abandonment, produces absolute Surrender, an absolute surrender brings us to the place of absolute submission. It's to leave everything. The Lord's call was to leave everything. Maybe you're here this morning and you've become 
You've got to the place you say, I can retire now, I can relax. There's no such thing in the kingdom. God's calling you out. He's calling to us for such a time and a season as this to accomplish His specific purpose. It's the time of preparation. The terms of discipleship, self-denial, denying ourselves, abandonment, not of yourself, but to God. It isn't, it isn't just to abandon yourself and leave a hull here. It's to abandon everything to Him. Lord, You fully have me. When I come to Teen Challenge 43 years ago, not that I'm a living example of abandonment, I remember saying to the Lord, when I finally realized this is the place for me, I said, I'll be here. I'll do what you've asked me to do. And if I can't pay the bills, I'll sit in the dark. It got pretty close to that sometimes. I'd hear people say, if God put it into motion, He'll pay for it. He'll take care of it. And I'm sitting there thinking, I've got to have $1,000 on Monday. This ain't working. And God to remind me, I put you there. I put you there. Can you trust me? I got on a first name basis with Long Star Gas Company. <laughs> it's no joke. I knew this guy. He knew my name. If he showed up and he'd say, Larry, you, you don't have it, do you? I said, no, not really. I mean, you're caught on one hand. You're, you're a Christian. You don't write a hot check, right? And it didn't sound right for me to tell him, God put me here. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He knew, he, he put in that man's heart, he would see me and he'd say, you don't have it, do you, Larry? He said, I'll come back in two or three days. I said, okay. And God always showed up. But I told the Lord, I said, if it's dark in here, we'll do what we do in the dark until we can't do it anymore. It's the abandonment of everything to God. Not just the abandonment of yourself. Abraham left all that was familiar. In Bethesda, I hope you can hear this because this is where we're headed as a fellowship. God's fixing to, He's fixing to step into the places of our comfort. He's going to touch the places that you become comfortable, too comfortable in. Begin to create this expectancy that when you come, you start anticipating God. You start looking for Him. After all, that's what happened on Azusa Street, was it not, in Los Angeles. This small black church began to intercede and seek God, and the place exploded and went all over the place. All we have to have is an excitement, and, and not a false sense of excitement, but a sense of excitement, anticipation. God, you're about to do it again. You're about to do it again. Abraham left all that was familiar to go to the unfamiliar. He left the comfortable to go to the uncomfortable place, to leave the known for the unknown. It's like the present become the womb for the future in his life. God said to him, get up from where you're at and leave. 420 years down, even from Moses, and now God's saying to Abraham, I don't know if he had a relationship with God prior to that or not. 
but he had faith in the reasonableness of God. God said to Abraham, get up. I want you to leave this land. It's infested with idols. And I want you to leave, get. He, and the word says, in the Hebrew Bible, it says, go, go. It was an urgency. Get up and get out. And he told Abraham, I'm going to bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. You may leave your nation, but I'm going to make you the head of a nation. You'll leave your people, but I'll make a people out of your seed. And your seed will become blessing to all the peoples of the earth. He was speaking of the coming Messiah. All the way from Abraham to the Christ riding the donkey colt into Jerusalem. He was speaking of him. Your seed is going to bless all the peoples of the earth. I believe God is taking us from where we are to the unfamiliar. He is interrupting our comfort to take us toward His purpose and His promise for such a time as this. Look at somebody and say, for such a time as this. Now look back at them and say, are you willing? It's not enough that Pastor Steve goes to Paraguay, him and Alyssa, and all these people are traveling everywhere. It said, are you willing to go wherever God pushes you to go? Even if it's on one of their trips to reach the hungry and the lost. Don't sit back and get too comfortable. God is calling you out. He's going to touch our comfort. Abraham left where he was not knowing where he was going. Now, how many of you are willing to leave the house to drive and somebody says to you, where are you going? Well, I don't know. We like to know where we're going. We even like to know how to get there, right? Even the disciples said when Jesus told them, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place, I won't be here with you. But where I'm going, you can't go right now. But you'll know the way. And, and Thomas looked at him and said, Lord, we don't even know where you're going, little alone. We don't know what the way is. And the Lord said, I am the way. Everything was created by him and through him. And he still was the way. And he still is today. He left not knowing where he was going. Abraham abandons his home, his birthplace, his family, his friends, and the security of his father's house, and even his inheritance. He left everything. I remember watching on TV one day. I'm not a big TV preacher watcher, but I happened to be piddling through the channel, and I noticed that Catherine Kuhlman, how many of you ever heard of Catherine Kuhlman? She was speaking at a full gospel businessmen's lunching. I don't remember what she spoke on. I just remember the question that one of the businessmen, she opened herself up for questions, and he asked her, Mrs. Kuhlman, what does it cost to have what you have? And she paused and got very quiet and she looked at him and she said, everything. Abraham abandons everything, but he just abandoned it to God. By faith, he left the familiar for the unfamiliar. He simply had faith in the reasonableness of God. 
There's a reasonable God coming to unreasonable people at times, even about our own salvation. The Creator who created us now sits at the table with us and says, come, let's reason together. Let's talk about what you got to bring, which is a bunch of brokenness. And let's talk about what I have to give you. The sages of the Old Testament and the Hebrew all concur that Abraham's departure and abandonment of his old life was abrupt. Let me ask you something. How many of you here this morning, you have heard God tell you to do something and you were hesitant to do it and wound up not doing it? Has anybody ever, ever felt like that? I had a man say to me one time, very wealthy man, he said to me, Larry, one of the times that we had just a connection, he said, I, I honestly have been called to preach, but I got so good at what I did. And so successful, I was more known for doing what I do than for what God called me to really be involved in all of my life. God said to Abraham, I have need of you. I need you to come out of the idolatry. I need you to come out of your bondage. I need to get you out of your father's house and out of your father's land. So he abandons it, abandons it all. He said, go forth. Go forth by yourself. Don't hesitate, but go immediately. Listen, if God's asking you to do something, do it. Do it. Because we get older. I'm nearly 69 years old. Because we get older doesn't mean we're exempt from following Him or to hear that call in our spirit. God says, it's for such a time as this, I'm calling you out. He was calling him out of his old life. That's the first group of people. God's calling you out of your old, that old place. God's command to go forth is both emotional and geographical for him. It affected the deepest places of his affection and of his heart. For Abraham, as well as religiously, it was the movement out of what he was familiar with. Everything he knew is comfort and family and religion is abruptly interfered with. Does our past define us or does the Christ of the present? God's command to leave even affected his affections and his emotions as well. Sometimes I think that's part of the reason that Altam City has so many fatherless homes, is so many, so many men have failed to cut the tie and become a parent. Endurance, that's the second thing. First, Deny yourself. You have to deal with the self. The second thing was endurance. Take up your cross daily. Absolute surrender. That place that God has all of me. Esther was willing to give it up. 
the comfort and risk all for the deliverance of God's people, even her own life. There's always Hamans around that say, be careful, bow to me, do what I tell you to do. But here's Esther, Mordecai raised her. He's, he's connected with her at the hip. Her parents were dead and now he's raising her. She finds comfort in the palace. Don't get too comfortable in the palace where God has you. Her fetters, her fetters were all gold around her neck. She became a prisoner in the palace. She got comfortable there. But she knew to preserve this people, she must hazard her own life. Mordecai said, don't suppose. Her uncle said, don't suppose that you, just because you have comfort there, that you happen to be in the royal palace for no reason. Look around you and see where God has you right now. It is a reason why he has you there. God's called you out in that place where you're at. He put her in a royal place. She called the fast. You know the story. They fasted for three days. And all of the ladies she was with, Mordecai and the Jews, they all fasted. And God showed favor there. And she finally said, I'll go into the king. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai, I was telling her, if you don't go in and find favor with the king, God will raise somebody else up to bring deliverance to the Jews. But you and your household will die. God will challenge you at the place of your comfort for his purpose. Who knows whether you didn't come into this place, into this royal place, for such a time as this. Look at somebody and say, who knows? You're not looking at somebody. Look at somebody and say, who knows? If we've come to this place in our life for such a time as this. Such was the love of our Redeemer for us. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross so that we could be here this morning to lift his name. It isn't a place he's brought us to for comfort. It's a place that we seek his purpose, even if it takes us into the unfamiliar. Don't say that. God will sacrifice your comfort for such a time as this. The third one, first you deny yourself, take up your cross, and now the it's to follow me. It's the perseverance. Follow me. Total submission to the Lord. What if God calls you today, or maybe He has called you, to get up abruptly and leave your past and your bondage and all the stuff that you've learned all these years? God says, get up, get up, get out. We have a million reasons why. 
total submission. I don't know anybody that represents that any more powerful than Paul. My time's already gone. I'll finish with this. It was the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus after persecuting all these people. You know the story. God knocked him off of his ride and he, and he fell down and he was stone blind. All of a sudden he went from a persecutor to somebody that had to be led by the hand the rest of the way to Damascus. God knows how to take your, your strength that's self-made and bring it to nothing in his presence. He said, get up, Paul. It is for this reason I've appeared to you that you'll carry this gospel to the Gentiles and to the Jews alike. He said, stand up. It was the encounter with Christ. Please hear me this morning. I think sometimes the thing we like most is the head-on collision with the living God. We need an encounter with Him that creates that hunger and that expectancy. He went from doing His own thing to thinking He was helping the, Christ, the, helping the purpose of God. That while He was yet still on the ground, He said to the Lord, What is it? Who are you, Lord? He said, Paul, why do you persecute, or Saul, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, why did you persecute Stephen? He said, why do you persecute me? Because when you touch my body, you have touched me. He gets up, led to Damascus. Here's Ananias. He told Paul, just go to Damascus. You'll be told what to do. God rings Ananias' cell phone. Ring, ring. He answers the cell phone. This is the Lord. Go to Straight Street in Damascus. There's a man there called Saul of Tarsus. Lay your hands on him. And I'll not only remove the scales from his eyes, he'll be filled with the Spirit, and I will show him all that he must suffer for my name's sake. I'm thinking, really, who does that? Who tells you what you're going to face up front? And Ananias is reluctant. Lord, I, I'm not sure. I think you got the wrong number. It's when you hear that sound. <laughs> Cell phone's breaking up. God's saying, I got the right number. Here's a man somewhere in Damascus. Just waiting. He's that third type that's just waiting for God to call him out and he's ready to go in the drop of the hat. It was just this person. Lord, I don't know if you know his reputation or not, but I'm not sure you want me to do that job. He didn't tell Paul this word that I'll show him all you must suffer. He told that to Ananias so it would resolve his fear. He's become an instrument in my hands and I will show him all that he will have to suffer. So 
Some of Paul's sufferings, you know them. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes in my life. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers and dangers from my own countrymen and from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, and in cold and exposure. Apart from such things, there's the daily pressure on me for the concern of all the churches. Who are weak? Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? And here's a man saying to, to the Lord, I brought you from where you are abruptly. Three days, three days Paul couldn't see. He didn't eat. He didn't drink. And he, he didn't go to any of the disciples or anyone else to say, what's happened to me here? He already knew what's happened. I think sometimes we need that head-on encounter with God that we don't need anybody to explain what's happened. He said to the church, I bear in my body the marks of Christ. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping? He said to some of the men, he said, why are you weeping? This was his last word and breaking my heart for I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Stand with me, would you? Even our own Lord said He learned obedience through the things He suffered. He knew what was in that cup. He knew that shame. And yet He was willing to drink it. He said before the Lord, He said now, or to the Father, He said now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour but it was for this purpose I came to glorify your name. He was willing to drink of that cup. I want you to know this morning that God has this fellowship on His radar. I've known that for years and years. He's positioned this body, and now He's preparing it for such a time as this. I come to this fellowship when I come to worship, and I always have that deep sense of expectancy. I never know what's going to happen. The cry of my heart, even in worship, is that God would explode here, and people would become set free. It's because we don't look for it anymore. Some of us, we're category two. We've just laid our head down in the lap of religion and we've called it, we've forgotten. We don't want to bear that name. We want to eat our own bread and wear our own apparel, but let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. <laughs> God's saying, get up. 
He's quickening you this morning. If you're lost this morning, and He's dealt with you about your bondage, He's calling out to you again this morning. If you've just laid down and become lazy and put your head in the lap of religion, He's asking, He's calling you to come awake. He's giving your edge back. He's wanting to meet you there. And maybe you're full of expectancy and excitement and you're just waiting for the Lord like Ananias to say, what's my next mission? It may not be what you want, but are you willing to follow? We don't suffer. None of us have shed blood. There's countries all over the world that shed blood. None of us have shed blood or probably been shipwrecked or beat. So where's the suffering comes in? I'll tell you. It comes in at the place of our will. It's that we would allow His will to preempt that of our own. Not my will, Lord. Yours be done. Every time you make that decision, there's another part of that flesh that dies every day. That's why he said, take up your cross daily. Choose me daily. I said before you, blessing and curse, choose blessing. This morning, what was riding in on the back of that colt was the creator of the universe. They slapped his face, but it was the face of their own maker. And the sadness in his heart when he rode into Jerusalem was simply, they don't know who I am. This was the God who, ex- this was the God who existed before the foundations of the world, who came down through man grew up amongst us and we beheld him full of grace and truth. And now he comes to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world. He came in the flesh in order to condemn sin in the flesh. He condemned it where we live it. If only we would believe on him. I'm not going to ask you to come down at the front. I know it's getting there. My time is past. But if you're one of these three categories, I want you to step to the aisle. Just step out of your place. Nobody knows which category you're in. Maybe you're the one this morning that God's calling you out of your place where you're stuck. You're in sin. And when I wrote this down, I thought, God, this is really strange for me. But it was like you're speaking to three different categories of people. And the first one, really, I didn't want to read it. It's like God was saying, I've, 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 pull, I've spoken to them distinctly numerous times. And I'm speaking to them again. He didn't say he's going to wipe anybody out. He just said, I'm calling them to me again. They feel stuck. And for such a time as this, he's wanting to unstick you so you can be a part of what God's doing. Or maybe you just become comfortable in your place and God's touching your comfort. I know what that's like. Again, I'm not the epitome of suffering. 
and I've probably said this before, but I remember somebody coming to me saying, good job. You deserve kudos. You stay in somewhere. I think you deserve kudos for being somewhere 40 years. You don't have a clue what that meant for me. God was trying to develop me and grow me up. Here I am trying to help people and God's speaking to me. I'm the person that would have hit the rock instead of spoken to it. I'm the person that God would meet one need and I'd be asking and questioning his ability to meet the next one. It took me places and I realized then God didn't put us here just to fix people. He puts us in strategic places to develop us for his timely purpose. Steve Evans is in his place and Alyssa for such a time as this. You're here for such a time as this. And I want to pray over you. Lord, I pray over this group today. I know not why they stand where they stand, but you do. And I pray this morning for those who are in that deep place of bondage And they've just come to say, Lord, I, don't, I can't get out of this place. Sometimes we say we don't even want to get out of it. It's become a false sense of security. I pray today, Lord, in this place that the chains would begin to fall off right where they're at. And you'd begin to free them from that place of bondage for your purpose. I pray for those today, Lord, who have become a little bit lackadaisical. They've laid, they become weakened and lost their edge because they've just laid their head in the lap of religion and says it is what it is. Nothing ever changes. Even my own household doesn't change. My children don't change. Stuff's not changing. It is what it is. And today, Lord, I thank you that you're speaking into that mess right now. And you're calling for change, abrupt change. I pray you'd create that expectancy in their heart to begin to look for it. And I pray for those, Lord, who stand here today and they're full of life and expectancy and they wait for your next word to them. Thus says the Lord. So, Lord, I pray you'd give them ears to hear your next word, to take them where they never thought they'd go, to see what they never thought they would see, and to dance in the places they never saw enough freedom to dance. Let it be, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen.